Big Stories of the Day. Hashtag SAFM Sunrise. Okay, she's pointing to me. I think I can talk now. Good morning. You were there, Sav. I'm sorry about that. Expecting to get some analysis on the situation around uh, reading in just a moment. In fact, we can do uh, 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 around unemployment. And in fact, the two are linked and we can do that now. So uh, the formal numbers, let's get them out the way. The formal unemployment rate increasing by 0.2% to 32.9% in the first quarter of this year. That's from StatsSA. That's the hard number. Different ways of looking at this. Either way, more than 7 million people want to work in South Africa and can't get a job. And that number is probably really around, let's call it 10 million. It's easy to get lost in the numbers. At the same time yesterday, figures they're called the Pearls figures. It's an international benchmark, benchmarking literacy survey showing that 82% of our grade fours cannot read for meaning. Conti Pai is a senior economist at PWC Strategy. Conti, good morning. Thanks for your time. Uh, good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners. Thanks for having me. These are two separate stories, but they're obviously linked. If you've got 82% of children who cannot read for meaning in grade four, and you've got a very high unemployment rate, well, it really does, to me at least, point the finger at our education system and what's happening with our children at the moment. There's no doubt about it, Stephen, and I think one of the issues now that's a problem, because also what these numbers show us, is that, of course, the labor environment and the requirements uh, in terms of employment are changing because, as we know, you know, the economy is shifting, is that actually we're going to need uh, literacy because it's not only literacy, of course, that we have a problem with. We also have a problem with numeracy. And if we're trying to sort of think about, you know, the future of work and the different jobs and AI and all of the various things that are coming up, that we need to step up literacy, even though computers don't get, don't use language, you know, um, that if we are going to actually communicate on an international basis uh, and be able to work with people in defining those parameters, you know, because we have to participate in the work, we're going to have to be able to read for meaning and understand and be able to participate meaningfully in the social future, in the in the future of work and the new jobs that are coming. All sorts of people are going to say you can use voice, and that's true. They're voice translation programs. Um, there are different ways of actually accessing uh, information now, and all of that's true. But most people, if you've been if you've been lucky enough to grow up reading, you can read and take in that information far more quickly than you can hear the information. And the world that we're moving into is about information. There's some things that only a graph can show you. Absolutely. But I think, Stephen, one of the things that um, uh, comes up in some of this research is that actually that reading for meaning is not just uh, in English. Um, this is what I'm trying to say. So if people are working across it's sort of, or in also all the other official languages because of the problems that we're facing. So it's not so much actually being able to read in a particular language because the whole thing about uh, reading for meaning or comprehension is not so much that you can speak. That's wonderful. But also is that people can communicate uh, various things to you. Uh, that you can actually, uh, you are able to actually grasp those things. So even when people are talking to, are you able to grasp um, that kind of information that is actually coming through, perhaps that has been translated into, because I think what you are, try, what you are saying is, if somebody, for example, is able to translate something to me into my own language, would I be able then to access it? The problem is that even in that kind of um, setting, if you are writing to me in this course, for example, translating that messaging, I would have to. And part of the issue here, Stephen, um, is also that if we're looking at the numbers, um, as, as I said, is that you know, if we were to think about in our own environments, we're also trying to understand other people's environments so that we are actually able to engage with them. We've been doing a lot of this research in terms of uh, PwC trying to look at what is the world looking like in the future? Will it be more international? Will it be more localized? 
will actually work with the people that we're used to or will that be for different people and all of this work requires that actually if we are thinking the world is becoming bigger than our own local environments that we are actually able to do that and perhaps the numbers are starting to show us um, that those kinds of dynamics one of the scary things about this survey is when we look at unemployment and we look at the unemployment rate uh, and, and there's evidence if you've got a degree, you're, you're very unlikely to be unemployed. I think the unemployment rate for graduates is about 10%. Um, sure. I, I say that under correction. Um, and you look at how many of our children cannot read by grade four. This is going to take a generation to fix. And I, I know m- maybe I've got this wrong, but I'm, I'm always, surely we should be doing something for young adults to help them get into the workforce. And that doesn't mean telling them all to do an entrepreneurship course that's setting them up to fail, frankly. What it means is saying, can you read? We will teach you how to do it. We've got to do something for our young adults. Uh, Stephen, what is interesting about this idea, for example, that we are actually, it will take us um, another, say, generation, another decade, is that in that time, things would have changed. So, uh, Peter, obviously, last day we did some work just analyzing the relationship between employment and the economy. So, if we have 3% growth, for example, in employment, will we get 3% growth in employment? I mean, in, in, in the economic growth, we will get the same growth in employment. It turns out that's not the case. We get less jobs for the same uh, for that economic growth. That tells you that over a period of time, because the economy is shifting in various ways, what is then happening is that if we, it's going to take another decade, for example, to get people or young people to where we are today, by the time they get to where we are today, things would have changed and shifted that they may actually still be behind. And so that is, a, is something that we have to think about. But perhaps the question may be different in terms of then about how we catch up. So the models and the strategy of how we catch up in terms of where the world is, and obviously because we have to do both, right? We have to do catch up for today and also at the same time prepare for tomorrow. And both those things have to be done. And we may have to actually think about new strategies on how we do that. And perhaps that involves more than just literacy in terms of what we have to do. The worst thing is, I would see, I would suspect, to do nothing, because what that means is that people who grow up in privileged homes, as I did, will be reading even before they go to school, and people who maybe grow up in the Eastern Cape country, I think you did, um, are going to be left behind further and further unless they make the most supreme effort there and their families to get out of it. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like that. And. If we do nothing, the, 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 the increase in inequality and increase in racialized inequality is just going to be unbelievable. Absolutely, Stephen. And I think one of the things that um, is scary about that, because we are thinking about those things, as I say, we are, you know, facing polar crisis here, um, a multipolar crisis. So in a sense, the multipolar crisis tells us that if, for example, we are living, you know, we have a crisis in education, that means we have a crisis in society, in inequality. But that also may mean tensions amongst us, you know, social instability, a new crisis that's emerging because of the inequality and the poverty that people are facing because they're being left behind. So it is really critical that, you know, leaders, whether we're talking about leaders in business or leaders in government and society, actually try to attend to this problem because as you and these numbers show that things we are actually moving backwards because I, I think one of the things that happened during COVID, for example, is that, of course, the economy was disrupted, education was disrupted. So I think I was listening to SAFM yesterday with uh, Prof. Matt Metcalf, who was saying that uh, uh, the COVID-19 reversed some of the gains that we'd made in literacy, uh, especially for those young people and those kids in school. So that tells us also that the catch-up uh, is also going to be important, but also the vulnerability of people continues to increase. So that reversal uh, is also shown in these numbers. So we can see, for example, you know, um, 
the the fortunes of a place you know uh, of tourism for example hasn't still yet recovered and it's a place that employs a lot of people so again because of covid so all of these challenges require actually a strategic way to move forward and we we, we can't do it uh, a survey at a time or an intervention at a time but a much more understanding that we are in a multipolar and a multi-crisis world and we need to figure out things that are going to work both for today but also help us prepare for tomorrow because, as um, as you've said, uh, we, it may actually make us uh, in a worse position as things go by. Grunty Pipe, thank you. Senior Economist at PwC Strategy. More on reading and our mediated conversation at 8.30.